Hello and welcome to Speak Out on Strangles, the Strangles Awareness Week podcast, which aims to give horse owners a real insight into preventing and managing the disease. Strangles is the world's most commonly diagnosed infectious disease in horses. Although cases can go from mild to malicious, it is extremely contagious and can have devastating consequences for people passionate about enjoying life with their horse. Strangles Awareness Week is supported across the equestrian industry in the UK and across the world, and it calls for more openness and support for people and premises affected by the disease. With these podcasts, we aim to inspire open conversations about strangles and what helps in taking us closer to eradicating the disease. I am your host, Gilly Rydant. I am the Campaigns Officer for Red Wings Horse Sanctuary and the coordinator of Strangles Awareness Week. And in this episode, we hear from Ben and Danny, two eminent farriers in the UK, discussing the pressure that biosecurity can place on a farrier's business. Please don't forget to subscribe, whether you are listening on YouTube or on your podcast player, to get the heads up about future episodes, and more importantly, share them with your yard, coach or vet. Let's spread the word and not the disease. So today we will be hearing from a type of professional which you will find on nearly every yard in the country. Farriers are one of the cornerstones of our horse's health because as the old saying goes, no foot, no horse. We are very lucky to have two outstanding members of the farrier profession here with us today. Ben Benson is Master Farrier and the Vice President of the British Farrier and Blacksmith Association. Danny Bennett is also on the British Farrier and Blacksmith Association Craft Committee and he won the Horse and Hound Farrier of the Year Award for 2020. Gentlemen, please take to the floor or mic and tell us a bit more about yourself. She said your name first, Ben. Oh, well, I've, I was being polite. You're older. No, I'm doing continuity. Go. All right. Um, thank you very much. My name's Ben Benson. I'm a farrier in Banbury in Oxfordshire. I... I'm one of 150-odd training farriers in the country, so I have apprentices which I send off to college and then they are in four-year placement with me. I'm very fortunate. I've always worked with performance horses and I'm lucky to have worked at the last two Olympics and I'm going to be working out in Tokyo and I work for Team GB. Hi, I'm Danny Bennett. I'm a remedial farrier based in the East Midlands. I'm also a educator. I have a lot to do with farrier education and at the moment, I'm the lead practical Farry lecturer at the School of Farry, Hereford and Ludlow College. Thank you. Um, so why do you think that strangles and biosecurity is an important topic for farriers? I think um, it's, it's a very important uh, topic because, you know, of all the equine professionals, we're probably visiting yards with more frequency and regularity than uh, predominantly most of the uh, other equine professionals so we could contaminate from yard to yard obviously the job we do uh, for want of a better word we're very up close and personal with the horse and obviously we carry a lot of equipment so you know from our point of view if our biosecurity is not on point you know we do run the risk of spreading it from yard to yard yeah, absolutely. I agree with Danny. Majority of my business is done within professional professional riders, 
professional yards. So we have a huge number of horses coming abroad from the continent and travelling and competing. And as Danny said, you know, when you're on yards and you've got horses that turn up, the the ability, if you're not careful, to drop your guard and something's got a bit of a, a snotty nose or, or even something like a bit of ringworm. But they're on them boxes that are travelling pretty much 24-7 and these horses jump on and off them like, like trains. So the ability to catch something from one end of the horse box to the other and then it gets dropped in your yard, then you've done something to it and then you go off to another two or three yards that day is quite considerable if you're not careful. Do you think that um, the training for farriers is adequate because there's often a bit of a gap between training and the reality of the job? Well, as a college lecturer, it is definitely biosecurity is um, an element we do teach. Again, as Ben said earlier, obviously Ben's a training farrier, so he has apprentices. And again, going from yard to yard with their bosses, they will encounter times, you know, it might not be strangles, but it could be ringworm or equine flu. If there's a lot of diversity in the training they get, so they will spend four years going from yard to yard with their boss, and they will pick up on these skills. But certainly from the syllabus we teach, not only is there a bit on biosecurity, which one of my colleagues does teach them, they also, towards the end of their training, they have a lot of lectures from outside vets who come in and one of the uh, subjects they also teach is biosecurity and transmissible diseases. I agree with Danny Um, I think the modern apprentice that is coming through now is far more broadened in their understanding of things like biosecurity and you know so that they're, they're actual the professionals that we're seeing coming through now and the college courses that are being set up in our apprenticeship is is phenomenal I think perhaps our industry hasn't perhaps been at that level before. So we are seeing we, there are a lot of farriers out there that are doing the best that they can, but they might not necessarily have that underpinning or understanding that's there. And certainly the other thing as well is, as farriers, most of them tend to work on their own. So they're not in practice and not alongside other other organisations or bigger businesses where there might be a bit more perhaps continued development within the within the business so a lot of farriers sort of tend to do what they know like what they know and know what they like if, if you see so sometimes they can end up sort of having a method of approach which we might know now actually you can you can do so you know like with with strangles you can still go and work on horses with strangles you just have to be very um very careful and considerate in in how you do that and then how you go and move on to other yards afterwards um i do find that with a lot of the farrier industry and certainly the farrier community it is quite a hot top uh, topic and it's one they take very very seriously you know by refusing to go to a yard um which has strangles or another infectious disease you do run the risk um certainly nowadays of the client phoning someone else up so you lose a client but it's if you do go and you you obviously follow the instructions of the um, yard owner who wants you to go onto the infected yard, and or they haven't told you um, in due course, spreading it around your other clients because you know the equine community is a small community. Everyone knows each other's business. You run the risk of losing the rest of your clients. So it is, I think, certainly from a financial point of view, and the losses which could be incurred. You know, farriers have always taken it very very seriously. Yeah. 
And especially, you know, obviously in our modern history with the whole coronavirus thing, barriers were very, very strict on informing their guidelines to the horse owners. When we were lucky that we could carry on working. But then if we go back 10, 15, 20 years to like the times of the foot to mouth, I mean, farriers, again, when we were allowed to work, we were very, very savvy and very, very good on the whole biosecurity thing. I agree with Danny there. As 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 things evolve, we understand it a bit more. Unfortunately, with with strangles, because there is such such a big label that comes with it, that there's not just the actual the the dealing with the disease that it is, but you're dealing with the emotion that comes with it, and that it's somehow like a dirty disease, like because you don't look after your horses well enough that they've developed it. When actually, it it doesn't work like that, and quite often. That comes with strangles, a real taboo, which a lot of owners feel that actually they can't talk about and they don't want to. So when you get there, it's kind of a a last minute thing that they'll whisper at you as soon as you're out the van and look like you're about to go near the horse. And then you've then got the secret and you can't tell anyone, but you've got to find a way of communicating with that owner. Then how are you going to deal with this situation? And quite often than not it's never the last drop of the day. It's always the one in the middle of the day or when you're going to another yard afterwards. So you just don't have that ability to shoe the horse sometimes. But as Danny said, you feel bad then that you're having to say no. And then you're almost compounding that owner's emotion and stress levels to the point where they then feel like they've overstepped a mark or you know that, that relationship has, has hit a point. So I think sometimes it's it's just about how well you communicate with your owners is, is how I've found that I can, de- I can deal with it. Hmm. That sounds like a really being placed between a you know rock and a hard place there because you don't want to lose the client and you don't want to upset them. But at the same time, you have a duty of care to your other clients and you don't want to spread the disease. What would you advise a, a farrier on how to handle a situation like that when you arrive and the client just tells you that they have strangles on the yard? I mean, for anyone who's ever been caught up in that situation, if you're already on that yard, then it's too late. You're there now. You're going to have to deal with it. And unfortunately, and it's never a great situation, but all you can do, again, depending how far away from home you are, well, you're there now. You may as well shoe the horse. But what you do after that, that's that's the problem. So you, you're either going to have to cancel the rest of your day and reschedule which for us farriers would probably mean working on a Saturday morning, which none of us like. But from that point, after we finished at that yard, it's a case of go home, decontaminate all your tools and get your clothes in the washing machine and get in the shower. You know, so, you know, that's kind of like, and if that's your first call of the day or any point of the morning, that's a whole day or certainly a whole day's wage gone and the whole day's ruined. Yeah, for, for us, we're, we're very fortunate that, um, again, we work on a lot of professional yards, so they generally have the loose box on the outside of the yard that the horses quarantine into, and a lot of the yard managers, you know, because they understand the risk of what comes in. But certainly on perhaps some of our smaller, more sort of leisure leisure horses, so generally when, when we're going to those yards, we're only doing ones or twos, so at least we haven't touched anything before we're told. We do carry... Uh, a biosecurity bag in in the in the van 
One of our well-known farrier supplies um, had a big push 18 months ago on biosecurity along with the horse trust and gave out um, a biosecurity bag so which came with a boiler suit, some gloves and some disinfectant and obviously with the coronavirus as it is at the moment we carry disinfectant in the in the van anyway disinfectant spray and we wash our hands with soap and water after shoeing anyway so we've got that disinfectant process in place with with the current pandemic so that's what we do we pop the boiler suit on whoever's going to touch that horse no one else goes in that stable all tools are washed off afterwards hands etc disinfected um and that, that's our protocol going forward excellent so you've described you know a lot of things that farriers do to ensure that the biosecurity is respected but what could clients do to make your life easier probably just communicate you know when when the moment when something turns up if we all talk about it and we're all aware of it it's a lot easier and you can make a plan for it so rather than we turn up and then you know have to have a very difficult conversation or even just an awkward conversation where you feel like by pointing out the obvious you're overstepping the mark and just been able to have that conversation with them over the phone very confidential and you know make make a plan so you're doing it at the end of the day when you haven't got any other horses to go to so when you do disinfect everything it's got time to soak in etc and just book your day accordingly so it it has no impact on anyone else so you you can do the best job you can and and take the time you need to Mm. and i think again moving away from like the competition yards uh so to speak but you know your, your average happy hacker horse owner you know gp amateur rider the thing you've got to ask yourselves as well when there is a strangles outbreak on that yard is does my horse need chewing today because very often we tend to work anything between a four to eight week cycle. We work on an average of six because let's face it, if everyone's on the same cycle, our workload is manageable. But in a lot of these cases, if they're just waiting back for results, going an extra week or even two weeks isn't going to be that detrimental to the horse's welfare. So it's making that judgment call. And again, if it is a full blown and it's a confirmed case of strangles, and then, well, you ain't going to be going out competing for a short while and you probably won't be exercising the horse. Can the farrier not just get in, get the shoes off, do a safety trim, and then once the horse has got it all clear, we can get back on track and get everything going properly again? Yeah, absolutely. If those, I agree. If those horses are really showing clinical signs, then they're not going to be working. So, one, you know, 10, 10 or 14 days isn't the end of the world. No. Yeah, it sounds like the key thing here is the communication between the farriers and the clients. But as you said, even though the the equine world's a tight-knit community, people are quick to pick up the phone, when it comes to strangles, people don't want to be judged. They don't want to talk about it. And the last person they want to be judged by is the farrier, the physio, people who come on the yard. So they do tend to, to just keep it on the low, which makes everyone's life just a bit more difficult really a lot of my own personal experience with strangles has come from my time in the british army because i was a serving british army farrier for 14 15 years one of the biggest problems we had and it was an annual occurrence was each year we buy anything from 40 to 70 new horses from ireland and they come over 
they go get turned out straight away for the first few months and it was almost like you could set your watch by it would have a strangles outbreak every year around about the same time of year now at Mount Mowbray it's a, it's a very big yard there's a lot of horses there we've got a separate vet, veterinary hospital etc but we had a separate line of stables we just used for when this happened so we could get the horses in quarantine them they were far enough away from the other horses on the yard so there was never any cross-contamination and I think what goes in the army's um, favour there is not only have we got the uh, facilities to house that but also all the soldiers are very highly trained although it sounds daft in nuclear biological and chemical warfare which a lot of that is all about decontamination, wearing the protective clothing. So we're quite adapted for working in them situations. And I don't know of a single case we ever had or an outbreak from our yard. It never went any further because the drills, the operating procedures and everything was so tight and so well practiced. Now, bearing in mind, a lot of the civilian staff who work there as well, They've all got their own horses at local livery yards. And I say, there was never has there been an outbreak from our place out there because everything was done. The communication was there. Everyone knew to stay away. And like I say, it was all kept very contained. I think the problem we get outside of that is this, what we were just saying is people not communicating, people almost ashamed of it and, and not, not speaking, you know. And I guess that goes on in all walks of life, but... <clears throat> You know, we should be thinking about other people, you know, and I think, if anything, this current pandemic we've been going through has shown us that. Yeah, absolutely mirror that. I mean, it goes on the same with, with the professional riders as well, where horses come over and they're slightly in denial about it. They've got a time lag or they've sold this horse for X amount and they need it to be out or the owner, you know, please don't tell the owner that this is this is going on. And, and like Danny said, sometimes it's, just about being honest and straightforward and 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 certainly in strangles i think uh, you know in my in my career so far i would never have seen as many horses as danny danny has but um certainly you know we probably see five or six uh, episodes a year in different ways or shape or form and it's not like the farriers can enforce the intent you know the, the consequences themselves because you don't want to lose clients at the end of the day your whole job is based on your networking and your address book so it's it's not like you can go up to someone and be like nah i'm not gonna touch your yard for the next two months because you've had strangles on there and you didn't tell me so it's a very difficult one i've seen i've seen more farriers now i think with the advent of you know, social media and WhatsApp and things like that. It's we're all much more interconnected and aware of what's going on. Whereas perhaps fifteen or twenty years ago, you only knew what you knew through the people you knew. So now, we're you know, I'm in, in Farrier WhatsApp groups in in regions where, you know, Farriers can ask for advice. But equally, you do see on there Farriers saying, mm, just to let everyone know, there's you know I've I've got a bit of strangles in the area or one of my yards just the big livery yard just to let everyone know going in there if you're not told something so it's but I think it's quite sad when farriers have to feel sort of guilty about doing that and looking out for each other and like you said we're such a small industry we all have realize now we've got to look out for each other so that's the good thing now is if there is something like you said just going back to the strangles thing you know and and someone wants you to go there and it's all a bit suspect then at least, and or if you've been, you know, binned off because you've made a bit of a stand about, you know, not doing it in the middle of the day or the first drop of the day, you weren't going to do it, and 
your next available appointment is in a week's time and the owner perhaps wanted it, it done a bit sooner, then at least you've got a chance to look out for someone else so they don't end up o- overrunning and, and, and spreading that. Do you think clients really realise how much strangles could impact you? The thing is, nowadays, we don't generally see many horses die from strangles. We don't see many horses really, really, really ill. So people don't ever see the consequence of what that could be or the damage that can come behind it. What they don't see, like Danny said, is the is the social and the financial consequence as a professional of me taking that on to three or four of the yards and you know even the vet bill treating that strangles case could run into hundreds of pounds depending on how the horse copes and 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 is able to tolerate it so if i was to take that to three or four other yards quite easily in that day and then maybe even i don't know but maybe even the next day you know there's still there's still um the ability for me to infect something um you know the the number of horses that that could go through quite easily i could easily spread to 50 or 100 horses well i mean the thing with that as well it's not even if those horses caught it if word gets out and you and we do the right things as professionals which i'm sure most of us will is inform all those people we came into contact with afterwards then they need to get testing themselves who pays for that they pay for it themselves we've kind of caused it but it's only because we weren't informed so that person with the one strangles case you know, that, that's quite a lot of um, fallout from just not being upfront about it. Yeah. And then and then you deal with the emotion of, of the other yards then finding it out that they needlessly have caught this. So then that puts them into a sense of spin and lockdown and the emotion that comes with it. So, for yeah, for, for an owner, and I, I do understand, you know, the, the stress of having a horse with it, but for them to not necessarily be upfront with you or even tell you as quickly as the, perhaps they've found out you know when people realize what what how how little it actually has to impact you if you do it in the right way and how positively you can deal with something that's such a negative it's i think you know people could stamp it out quite 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 quickly mm-hmm. uh, you know even just from their yard i know certain regions tend to have it perhaps more but but certainly you know when we like all the olympic games or any of the big competitions that i've gone and worked at you know, their, their biosecurity with like, you know, disinfectant mats. If you go in and out of that stable block, you wash your hands. Um, don't touch horses when you're on that yard, you know, and, and don't touch anyone else's horses. If yards were to adopt simple policies like that, they might even find that they they keep the strangles on one side of it and might not take it into other barns or other horses. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about the time, uh, obviously biosecurity in the army, where we kept those horses confirmed case of strangles was only probably 20 meters away on the other side of the cordon from actual normal stabled horses now like i say it never transmitted between the two because the community like I say it was all open the uh, communication was right and the um, protocols were all correct so um you know it, i think it just pays to be 100 percent honest it's uh, so I mean how we've talked a little bit of you know farriers now being more trained in soft skills and how clients could listen more to the farrier but how do you think we could get you know clients and farriers on the same page 
when it comes to general things, but also biosecurity? I, I think, you know, the way, obviously, the one thing we've got in our favour now, as, as an equine profession, I mean, this isn't just about farriers. I mean, you know, with social media, it's so easy now to educate people and, and start campaigns and just public awareness. And I think that's the only way to do it is by making people aware. And I, I certainly think that, that could be a way forward. I think making clients or horse owners aware of how how much it could cost. You know, people make their decision on what's it going to cost me, what's 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 the effect on me as a person. Um, so having that bit of, you know, well, your vet bill could end up being this, you know, your horse could ultimately die, um, your yard could be shut down, you know, or, you know and, and the treatment could cost this much if it goes on, whereas actually... Like I said, if if you've got it in on the yard, then you all start washing your hands. You all, you know, do these the disinfectant biosecurity processes, and then it gets a lot cheaper. I think doing it in a way which doesn't rub people up the wrong way. It's it's often a case of if it hasn't happened to me, yeah. then I'm okay. Yeah. And it's only when you have a case on the yard yeah. or you have an outbreak in the area that you realise, oh God, I should have done all that preventive work and. One thing we try and explain to people, because biosecurity sounds scary, it's a big scary word, and people often get think that it's associated with very high costs, yeah. and if it's done right, it's not. I mean, you know, a hand disinfectant and a, a boot bath yep. doesn't cost so much, and in the end, it's preventing you, you know, having to pay massive vet bills. Yep. So it is a thing where people are on a shoestring budget, which a lot of us are, and currently in the, in the world we live in, a lot of us us our budgets for hobbies yeah. for horses has been considerably reduced yep. i think we need to understand that small measures that are recommended by experts mm. it's there to save you money it's there to help you on the long run to a lot of owners cost is a huge thing yeah. but prehab's cheaper than rehab you know dealing with things at the start is always going to be is always going to be an easier one definitely need to work together i think i think if we are the takeaway points from this is that communication is absolutely crucial if we are going to get anywhere with at least limiting strangles, if not eradicating it. Yeah, I think I think probably the hardest part is is understanding. You know, we've 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 seen it at the moment, and certainly in the farrier community, we're trying to encourage farriers to not be afraid to talk about it. But certainly, the the more that you can help your farrier, and the and the more that you can be honest up front and and be happy to discuss things with him um the 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 better he'll do and so communication the better and more open and more of it more of it you have the the better you'll get Mm. well thank you so much for both coming on today and sharing all of this incredible knowledge and advice um i think we've definitely will be uh, coming away from this a lot more informed and a lot more enlightened than we came in so thank you so much, guys. It's been a real pleasure. You're welcome. Not a problem. Thank you very much for yeah, inviting thank you very us. Much. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Follow the Strangles Awareness Week Facebook page for more information about Strangles and the campaign. Or if you have any further questions, leave a comment or get in touch with us by emailing campaigns at redwings.co.uk. We will see you tomorrow for a next episode available on YouTube or on your podcast player. 
let's spread the word and not the disease.